talking about the things that make your home service business go. Marketing, finance, systems, people. This is the Fight Club for Business podcast. Makes me that much stronger. Makes me work a little bit harder. Makes me that much wiser. Thanks for making me wider. Okay, yes, we are. We made it. Oh my gosh, we're late. <laughs> Technology is not fun on a Tuesday, everyone. But happy Tuesday and welcome back to Fight Club. We are super excited to be back with you all this Tuesday morning. Um, you, As you know, this show is for home service business owners looking to improve their marketing, finances, systems, and culture. And we're a team of self-employed industry experts. And we get to be joined this week by Danae Wolf. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're super excited to have you. Do you mind just giving our listeners a brief rundown of yourself and your business? Yes. Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm super excited. My name is Danae Wolf and I am a recovering financial hot mess. <laughs> and essentially financial literacy completely changed my life. And now I am on a mission to help other female entrepreneurs have that same transformation. And that's what I do through my academy. Awesome. I feel like this is definitely going to be, uh, I already know it's up in Megan's alley, but it's definitely going to be a fun yes. conversation for all of us to talk about. So thank you so much for joining us today. And I apologize for the snoring pug in the background, if you can hear him, but <laughs> my name is Taylor Maroney and I co-own a power washing company in South Florida with my husband and my background is in marketing. So I love helping business owners understand the numbers behind marketing and how to make better decisions based upon that. So super excited to be with all of you today and welcome back to Fight Club. Welcome. And my name is Megan Likes. I'm the founder of Bookkeeping Academy Online, and I love to educate and empower, like Danae, uh, small business owners to know their numbers so that they can live more financially rewarding lives. I also have a full service accounting firm based out of Northern California uh, called Likes Accounting Company. I own a window cleaning, gutter cleaning company with my mm -hmm. husband, Jeff, and a couple of other fun things, including doing admin bootcamp adventure with these ladies. And I'm so excited. Janine, we've been Facebook friends for a long time, but this is our first yes. time meeting. So I'm so excited to have you on the show. When Martha asked, I was like, yes, get her on. That would be great. So yes. we're glad to have you here. Tay, I I have a feeling we're going to sit back and just watch the show. Yeah, okay. I had a feeling about that today. I was like, I, I know, I feel like Megan's going to take this one over and I'm totally fine with that. <laughs> if we get, if we get to my part, I cover people and, uh, I owned a maid service for about 13 years, co-founded Quality Driven Software, which is all about client retention and employee performance and part of admin boot camp, et cetera. So welcome to Fight Club, Danae. And yes, I did go to Megan and say, is that all right? Because I know you guys do similar things, um, but different perspectives. So it's awesome. And it will definitely be a value to our listeners to hear the different perspectives. So, yeah, we're excited. Uh, and Michelle is out today. She sends her regrets. She uh, she'll be back next week. And yeah, we're wishing her safe travels this week as she's out and about. Exactly. Absolutely. Well, I get to steal you first, Nay, and. We'll see how long we go before Megan jumps in. I'm going okay. to put a bet on three minutes. So we have Rude. I'm going to three minutes. I'm <laughs> um, I love you. That's why I say that. It comes from a place of love, and you know I love you. Um, but no, I want to talk about marketing budgets because mm -hmm. I think this is something a lot of people don't necessarily focus on. And we've talked about it once or twice before in the show, but I have a gut feeling you're definitely the person I want to speak to about this. And I know that's why I say, I know Megan's going to chime in and I'm totally open for it. Cause I love getting both of your guys' opinions. So, um, marketing budgets to me are something that get pushed to the wayside, right? We, we talk mm -hmm. about a marketing plan. We talk about what we want to do, the new avenues we want to go down, whether we want to send postcards or we want to add in Google ads this year or SEO or social media marketing. But a lot of times the business owner's partially talk about the budget, but they don't really like fully deep dive into it and look at what those numbers really mean and how it can affect their overall business budget. So 
I want to kind of let you take take over from here and kind of maybe start with a couple tips that you normally give to business owners when they are starting to look at a marketing specific budget that is mm -hmm. kind of added on to their main budget. Yeah. So a couple things. I have all the <laughs> all the thoughts on this and then I'll be really interested to get Megan's perspective on it, too. So the way that I really look at it and the way that I advise our clients and even the way I look at it in my business is twofold. First of all, I want to make sure that marketing is something that if we're going to spend even a penny, you have a system in place to make sure you're getting that return, right? So Absolutely. before anyone even comes to us and says, oh, I want to make this investment. Okay, well, how are we going to inspect what we expect, right? How are we get, what, what's set up in place? Because otherwise, you're kind of just throwing money at a problem. So before we even get to the budget, we're like, how are we going to make sure we have a process in place to track where did the, exactly did the leads come from? You would be shocked how many people come and like, oh, I spent so much money. Well, how did you track to see? Oh, we didn't set that piece up. Like it happens more than you would think. So All I just want time. to make sure you All have a process in place to make sure it worked, right? Then we get into the budget. So when we advise people and when we're doing it with our own business, I really look at marketing that needs to immediately come off the top. So what I mean by that is the same way you would think about your cost of goods, right? We know when we perform a service, right? Revenue comes in, we've earmarked a percentage for that cost of goods. We want to do the same thing with our marketing. So I don't look at our marketing as being part of that operational expenses. I look at it as that's a necessity in the business. So we're going to, I'm using very plain numbers here, right? $5. Let's say a service was $5 Absolutely. and we know that $2 went to the employee, like whatever we needed for our cost of goods, supplies and the employee to actually execute the service. We're then going to tack on to their marketing. What's left after we pay cost of goods and after we set aside for marketing, fund that marketing fund, that's now your budget for your operational expenses. So we want to make sure that that is getting paid first. The caveat to this is there are actually a lot of brilliant marketers out there that have a very organic system working for them. So when we see that and we see they have this growth or maybe even that they don't even have the infrastructure to kind of dial it up, right? They wouldn't mm -hmm. be able to handle it if they started marketing. Then we would take that percentage and increase their operational spend and put that into that budget because not everybody's going to need it. But if you need it, we take it off the top. And then what's left is what your budget is going to be for your operational expenses. Now, the other thing that we do I often see entrepreneurs, I say you just, you're throwing money at your problem, right? So a lot of times people will say, oh, like I'm not making enough money, so I need to increase my marketing. You don't know that yet, right? Your numbers tell the story of your business. So you need to actually read the story, read the book. What is it saying? So one right. of the exercises we do is we'll go in and we'll say, all right, let's track first time like new people that came in versus recurring people that are coming in. And then we track it on a graph and we're able to say, is it actually our recurrings that are dipping off, right? And the new people are coming in steadily, right? Well, you don't have a marketing problem, then you have a quality problem, right? So you wanna get really specific. We just had somebody come into the academy who was like, I spent all this money on, it was Google ads, I wanna say. I think it was Google ads is where the, the spend was. And when we put it in the graph, it was like, boom, the answers like popped right off. Their recurring was going down. So yeah, you're bringing new people in, but you're bringing them into a sinking ship. You never had a marketing problem. You had great community awareness. People, you had tons of new people coming in, but they weren't converting because you had a quality problem. So we rerouted Send them my way. Yeah, we rerouted <laughs> the money for marketing and put it to like a supervisor, like a quality inspection person. And boom, the problem was solved. So or, I just feel like you buy software or just yeah. play driven software and you'll see it. I, I, see I want to that Martha interrupted before I did. Just I know, I know, I know, for the record. And we made it over three minutes, but <laughs> this is, okay. So I just need to recap really quick here today because this is a lot of little gold nuggets were just dropped so quickly. And I just want to make sure our audience has the moment to digest them because not only are we 
really focusing on tracking what is coming in, what leads are coming in, how they're coming in, where they're coming in from, which is very important. And if I had to give a recommendation to someone if that is looking for a lead tracking type of software, Call Rail to me is a very all-inclusive software. You can be able to track forms. You can be able to track your um, phone calls coming in. And it is pretty cost affordable and it's a VOIP system. So if you're already on something like that, by adding in that service uh, or just switching over to that service, it can help you eliminate that first problem, which Shanae was talking about, which is making sure we're knowing where things are coming from. When someone calls our business, before they even get to me, I hear that it's coming from a Google ad or it's coming from a Google organic source or Bing, maybe, you know, social media, whatever the case may be. So that's going to be like kind of option one. If you don't have that, please make sure you look into some form of software that can track that. But what really, really was like the big one for me is making sure that those marketing expenses get paid first, right? Before mm -hmm. even the operational expenses, because how are we, we got this person into the company through financial means. We put finances into marketing to make sure that we're bringing in new clientele. If we know this is a brand new client and it's not a recurring client, then we need to make sure we're putting that money back into the budget to bring in more clients again the next month and the next month and the next quarter and so on and so forth. If we're just depleting that account, we're just depleting the, the overall budget for that year and not mm -hmm. able to replace that for new clients to come in. Yeah. And, and you need money for the op operational expenses, but you're not going to have a business to operate if you're not marketing and you're not getting new people in the door. So exactly. you really just want to make sure that money is always set aside right off the top. And Our it doesn't have to be. Betty loves that, Drew. does. Thank <laughs> you, Drew. Marketing. And it's. To me, it's also a fact that we don't have to talk about this, like we, like we said, it doesn't have to be a massive budget we're talking about. Yeah. If we're talking about, you know, a couple thousand dollars, or maybe you're a very large company and we're putting tens of thousands of dollars into marketing, mm -hmm. this can be of any size that we're discussing this budget format, just making sure that we're replacing what's getting spent from the new people coming into the business. Now, I love this concept too of really tracking who's falling off and where. So if you do have a mm -hmm. recurring revenue in your business, and that is something like maid service, or I know Megan's really getting into recurring with her business for window cleaning and um, pressure cleaning uh, individuals throughout the country. It's making sure we're tracking who's falling off where, because I know that was something we saw in our business was it's not necessarily the new clients coming in. It was old clients that were dropping off. Yeah. And that's so true, Drew. Sometimes the marketing expenses are the last one to get paid. And I never understand why, because if you are, if that is a lifeblood of your business and you do survive on that, we do need to make sure we're pulling money out when the new money comes in from those clients and putting that aside. So this is something that, you know, I haven't really heard it put this way before at all. And I do like the concept of just making sure we're allotting that new clients, you know, the new revenue coming in from that new client to the allotted areas that it needs to be allotted to and keeping marketing in mind will yeah. allow for your business to continue and grow. Yeah. We keep it when we go through and just even organize like a chart of accounts, we keep it completely separate from ops because we really are looking at it as a cost of goods, so to speak. We don't label it as that, but making sure it's coming right off the top. So you do a service, you earmark to pay your cogs and you earmark to pay your ads and what's left is going to be how you operate your business. Oh yeah. Cause I remember working um, at marketing firms and you have clients call in all the time. Well, why are my ads getting pulled again? You know, why did $500 just get pulled out of my account to Google? Well, that's, that's the system we've set up for you, right? It, you agreed to an X amount allotment per month. Most clients tend to do around like a thousand to 2000, depending on the size of the business. And that's, you know, two to four times that Google ads is pulling from your account each month. And if you're not taking that off the top line to make sure that that money is in the account to pay for the next run of Google ads, you're going to be that client sitting there saying, well, I don't feel like I got enough leads that came in from this and I don't think it's worth it. And this isn't working for me. Well, how are you tracking it? How are yes. the, what is the, what is the actual mm -hmm. data say, which is yep. what I live and breathe by. Mm -hmm. And how are we able to make that, you know, adjustment to make sure you are getting what you need? Because sometimes mm -hmm. people assume it's just going to happen overnight and they're going to get this influx of leads coming in, which is also something I like to squash. It doesn't just happen overnight. You do have to build mm -hmm. these campaigns. Um, but it's 
knowing what you're going into and setting that plan and that budget, like Denise talked about is very, very important. And then from there, we're able to build on top of that. Right. So yeah. say I'll ask one last question here before I let you pass off to Megan. So we've got the, say we've got a client, right? They have, we're going to talk ideal world right now, which I know doesn't happen. Dream <laughs> we have a client who knows where their leads are coming from. They understand whether their leads, uh, their, you know, their, um, their graph is going to be coming in from new clients versus recurring clients. And they're ready to add in something else to bring in more new clients because everything's staying pretty balanced, but they do want to increase that spike. So what would be your recommendation to that client in an ideal world that they're in that position right now? So I want to make sure I'm understanding you. They want to add a new marketing tactic. New marketing tactic. Absolutely. And you're saying, how would we pay for that? Yeah. How do we kind so of find the money to pay for that? Where does that come from? Here's what we do. So one of the things that we always advise people to do. So yeah, we set aside cost of goods. We set aside marketing. Okay. Another thing that we always do is we set aside, we have the ops and we have the profit. We set aside from that profit, what we call an innovation fund. So we have our clients set aside money every month for innovations in the business. So there's your budget. You've already set aside, you've already come up with a plan. We've calculated how much money you need to make. Therefore, what does your profit need to be? What can we do above that to put into the innovation fund? So we just had somebody last month, they hit their profit goal, they took the pay they wanted, they actually exceeded it. So all that overage went into that innovation fund. And we don't form an innovation fund until you already have your nest egg. So this is saying like you've got three months ops expenses waiting during COVID. I had people take it up to six months. And if you can, I advise six months, but minimum we have three. So then we do an innovation fund. And though that's the account where if you want to do something new, try something new and you're looking for the cash flow to do it, it's sitting in that innovation fund. I like this. So and that could go across anywhere, right? You know, it's adding a new Oh software. yeah, it doesn't have it's to be marketing. Not just marketing. Like I want to be a coaching program, yeah. a conference you want to go to, anything that you are using that's going to innovate your business and take you to the next level. It's going to scale you. We set aside money for that every single month. But we're not just pulling from the new revenue coming in. I want people to understand. Right, that. right. We're not, we're not just pulling marketing. from the new people. We're not just taking money from right. you know the newest client that's come in. Oh, we just did a five thousand dollars job. Let's take a thousand dollars of that and add it to a new marketing fund. Like, no, no. We have that's to make sure strategy. that we have it strategically placed in accounts to make sure. Mm -hmm. Which I never thought I would talk about money this much. So, Megan, I hope you're proud. But <laughs> it's one of those things where we have to make sure that we're not robbing the business from money mm -hmm. that it's supposed to be in other places and we're putting it in funds where it can be able to be used later on. So, And you guys you, would be shocked if, sorry to cut you off, oh, God, if you ahead. are following a system like that, which listen, everybody has a different system, right? So it doesn't, whether it's the way I do things, whether you do things, whatever, have a system that works for you. The best system is a system that works for you. But the point is, once you have this system in place, just from looking at it and focusing on it, you start making it work. Like if you're listening to this and you're like, well, there's no way I could take money off the top for a marketing fund. There's no way I would have an overage that I could put toward an innovation fund. Well, with that attitude, you won't. But if you actually sit down and figure out how to make it work, if you literally have a spreadsheet with like a row earmarked innovation fund, if it keeps showing zero to zero, you're going to be like, wait, I got to figure it out. I got to figure it out. I got to figure it out. And eventually your brain just starts to show you the answers. You start to figure out, it's like a puzzle, how to move the money, where you can cut things, how you can increase revenue. And you'll start filling that bucket of that innovation fund when you get intention, intentional about it. If you're just winging it, no, you're not going to end up with extra money. But if you're being intentional and following a system and you've got goals, you're absolutely going to be shocked by how quickly you earmark that marketing fund and start funding an innovation fund. Oh, I love it. Okay. So I think I have to hush my mouth now and pass you <laughs> off to Megan because that was awesome. And I appreciate taking you taking so much time with me here today and I'll kind of let the finances keep rolling over to Megan. Thank you. Yeah. Hello. Hi. So I was like, do I just, I'm tempted to just be like open mic, whatever you want to talk about. But then I had to ask first. So you keep saying, uh, we set it aside. We set it aside. Do you use profit first? Are you recommending profit first or how are you 
like, I feel like for owners that I work with, setting aside is so hard. And if we have a listener out there and you're like, yeah, I mean, that's always the intention to set it aside, but then we get to the end of the month and there's like nothing left or where did it go? So what's your favorite hack for setting aside that, that spend that cash? So I don't follow profit first, but I would say it's kind of a, a version of that. So what we typically have people do, and I know that's like people like are diehard profit first people. Um, and they're always like, why do you mean you don't like it? It's not that I don't like it. I've just seen a lot of people have what you just said. It's difficult for them to actually make the transfers and, and stick with all of that. So what we'll always have them do is they just have like a calculator. We can like put everything in and really make sure that we're tracking what do they actually need in their ops expenses, right? Because our ops are going to be recurring. So a lot of those are going to stay the same, especially people who have like anybody on salary. Obviously it can fluctuate if you have like an hourly person and maybe they work more hours, but even that is not like a big swing. So we're able to kind of figure out what do they need to actually operate the business, right? And then we look at that revenue and we say, okay, we know, you know, 55 is going to our cost of goods. Let's say we're doing 10% out for marketing. This is what's left, right? And here's that fixed cost of those ops. Now we're able to build out a revenue goal so that we know how much money we can set aside in that innovation fund. So is it a separate bank account? I guess. Yes. Okay. So how many, can you walk us through like how you do the bank account thing? Cause I think that was a game changer for us. Oh yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, Yeah. That was a game changer for us in our window cleaning business. And I feel like a lot of home service business owners are just like, I struggle to save. Mm-hmm. I struggle to have enough for taxes. I struggle to have enough yes. to spend. And like, Tay, I, I love you. You got super like back to your marketing days about money, but you also forgot the business owner part where like, it's hard. Like we're spending our money on important things like taxes mm-hmm. and insurance and like our own salaries and like marketing. It's not that we don't like it or appreciate it. It's just like the cash flow part is tricky. So yeah. Um, Danae, I'd love to hear what you've come up with to help people with that. Yeah. So when it comes to bank accounts, we're going to make sure that we have one main bank account where all the transactions happen. And I know a lot of times I say that people are like, oh, you're not going to transfer payroll and then pay payroll out of the payroll account. And I don't like to do that. I think if we are concerned that if we don't move payroll, there's not going to be enough money. We have a bigger problem. And I think kind of having the bank account there puts a bandaid on it. I think if temporarily you're in that situation, because a lot of times when I talk to people, why are you moving payroll to a different account? Well, I'm afraid if I don't, it'll get spent. Right. So there's some bigger issues going on there. But if you actually absolutely have to, because you're worried it's not going to get spent, then go. Right. The right system is the one that works for you. But typically what we like to do is have one main bank account. All revenue comes in. All expenses are going out. Right. So that's boom, out the door. What we have for the next accounts is all of our taxes go into tax savings account. So Go to the IRS.gov, figure out what is your tax bracket. Go to your state's division of revenue, figure out what is your tax bracket. Add the two of them together. You've got a rough idea of how much you have to set aside into that tax savings account. And if you have good bookkeeping, you'll know what your profit is and you're able to make sure that you keep that account. So now we're up to a second account where we keep our tax savings. If you have sales tax, we're going to put that in its own account as well. Um, Not everybody does, but in case you do, just get it out of the account. Because that then starts to absolutely confuse you. So you may or may not go up to a third account that's going to be for your tax, your um, sales tax. The next account we have them have is their business nest egg. So this is where we're keeping a minimum of three months operational expenses. Sometimes you go up to six, especially if you're a business that's maybe seasonal. So you know that you go through some droughts a couple months a year, then we want to make sure that we're planning for that um, nest egg appropriately for that. We want to make sure we have that. Then we make sure that we have an innovation fund. So that's the money where we're setting aside. Maybe we're going to go to a conference. Maybe we're going to hire a coach. Maybe we're going to add a new marketing tactic, depending on the client, right? They might be like, I don't want to have another account. So I'll keep my marketing spends in there as well. Or they might not even need 
another account because they already have a system in place without marketing. They're spending the marketing, right? They're allocating 10%. It's going out the door. They're working with somebody who already has making sure that that's coming out of that main business account. But if you don't have anything set up in place for marketing, then I would suggest we're earmarking that into another account and we're setting aside 10% for marketing spend. So if you have your cost of goods at 55 and then you add on top of that, 65% is coming off the top already and earmarking into that account or you're already paying it out and then you don't need the other, you don't need the other marketing account because it's just being paid. But we do it with different bank accounts. Now with the nest egg, the goal is that we wouldn't use it, right? Knock on wood. We wouldn't be in a situation where we had to use it. So I always have our clients move it into just a high yield savings account, just so that it's at least doing something for you. I hate stagnant money. Um, it makes me cringe. And we actually go and through. We're actually getting interest now. It's so weird. <laughs> I feel like yeah. the high yield savings account was not exciting a year ago. I like, I yeah. Like, it's actually kind of exciting. There's actually interest coming in. Weird. <laughs> I know. It's, it's amazing. Like we'll run a dash where we give you a breakdown of like how much of your money is working for you. So how much do we have just sitting there? Like what's that percentage in that breakdown? Because I think that's really important to know. And we never want, we never want stagnant money. So the nest egg, I love to get in a high yield. Everything else we'll just have in your regular business checking account. Got it. Cool. Okay. So now I think I am going to open it up to you. Like what is your favorite hack for increasing profitability? I feel like you've got the word profit all around your brand. You've got mm -hmm. uh, so many cool tools. And if any of them feel appropriate to share, I, I'd love for you to share it. Like I'm hoping you're going to share your know your numbers now calculator. That looks so cool. Um, and I can drop a link in the comments, but profit plan, profit calculator, mm -hmm. profit perfect. Like tell us your yeah. favorite hack when you're talking to a business owner about profitability, like yeah. what was, what was that transformational moment for you? I love that part of your brand is you're like, I used to be broke and you so know, broke. used to be a victim of entrepreneurial poverty. And I think we have so many listeners out there who mm -hmm. are like, that's me. I'm still there. Mm -hmm. I'm stuck in this cycle. So what's yeah. your favorite thing to do to help get them out? Step one. Yeah. So I think I have two things. <laughs> When it comes to increasing our profits, again, my, my big word is always being intentional. Like I'm so intentional about every freaking thing I do in life, like from the way I parent to the way I'm in my marriage, like all the things we have to be intentional. And I think a lot of times when it comes to talking about business and talking about profitability, we tend to use kind of like blanket rules, right? Like ge generic rules. Well, you should 10 X this, or you should three times this, or you should 10% that or 5% that. And for me, I think it's important that as entrepreneurs, we actually figure out what the heck do we want? So you need to essentially design your dream life and put a price tag on it and then put hours on it. How much do you actually want to work? And then you have to look at your business model and say, am I building a business that can support the life I want? In me and my personal journey, I went in and I had restaurants once I made them profitable and I was looking at it and I'm like, okay, here's how many restaurants we need to open in order to make the money we want to make for our dream life. But I'm also looking at how many hours my husband and I want to work and we're like, that is not, it's never going to work. So we were in an industry that was never going to give us what we wanted. We would never have that holistic well-being of we've got the money we want and the time we want because those are our two biggest currencies. So the first thing I would encourage everyone to do is be intentional about your profit. Don't make it generic and figure out what do you actually need in life and then account for the hours. So maybe you want to make 100 grand a year, but when you look at your business model in order to do that, now you've set the profit. But how many hours is that expecting of you? And is that in line with what you want? So look at that holistically and you might say, Hmm. In order to do that, I have to do double the amount of work, which means now I have to majorly increase my employees. I don't really like managing a team. Maybe I can't get the dream life scenario out of here because a lot of times entrepreneurs will feel like they're on this hamster wheel. They're not feeling fulfilled. They're not making the money they want. They're overworked, underpaid, all those things, right? Well, I haven't really sat down to figure out what the heck do you want? What is that dream life? And we just went through this with one of our clients when we went and pulled the numbers of what she had to do, she was like, I don't want that big of a team. 
and I don't want to work that many hours. And then she started incorporating digital products and it completely changed the game for her. And then she actually sold her cleaning company because she was like, this is so much better. But had she not gone through that exercise to figure out how much money do I want to make? How many hours do I want to work? And let's really be intentional and then back that into your current business model. Yeah. So have you read, I love this book. Have you read this book? How much should I charge? No, who wrote I, that? I'm going to take Ellen, a picture of it. It's Ellen Rohr. I've read it like a hundred times and it is exactly that. So if you're a listener and you want help with that math, like read this I book. I love that. And so <laughs> when I went through that exercise, I found it so fascinating because mm-hmm. the thing that I didn't hear you say, but I'm going to say for the listeners is pricing. Mm-hmm. So like how much do you want to make? How much do you want to work? You can just increase your price to make that happen. When I read this book the first time, it told me my hourly rate should be $1,000 an hour. Mm -hmm. And my hourly rate has nothing to do with my industry. It has nothing to do with anybody else. It just has to do with how much do I want to work? And what are my expenses? Like, what is my business DNA? And so I I like, I love this idea of starting with why, you know, what's the goal? And then I also think that it's interesting. Like when we think about profitability, there used to be a lot of people out there that say like, oh, you can't above 20% is not sustainable. And now we're seeing like $100 million companies at $200 million companies at like 25% net profit. And you're like, oh my gosh, it can be sustainable. You can take care of your people. It's truly just a math problem. And yes, uh, I love that. It's just it is. I love it's that just a math problem. And I feel like I we get stuck that. in these cycles of like, oh, I could never charge that much. Well, if you, if you say that, then you can never make that much. That's, that's what I heard Danae just say, right? Like if you're not willing to charge that much, then you don't deserve to make that much. And Um, it's one of that. And fun fact tomorrow, today, Tuesday. Yeah. Tomorrow in my Facebook group, that is what my live is on pricing and everything Mm -hmm. that you just said, making sure that it's your pricing based on what it is that you need to do. Cause you should make money every time your company has a sale, right? So how much are you getting every time your company actually has a sale. And what I liked liked that you said about operating expenses, you're like, they're very recurring there. There's no surprises. They're really, they're the same over and over. And like the, the word you were dancing around, which I I do too, as a financial coach, you're like, I'm not going to say the word because it's going to scare people. But the word that I'm dancing around is break even point. Like Uh, if you don't have a clear understanding of how much you have to make every hour, every day, every week, and you wait, then maybe you didn't break even. Maybe it wasn't enough. And having a clear understanding of that dollar amount, um, I love recurring revenue for that reason because you can have a recurring revenue model that will cover all of your break-even expenses every single month over and over again. Um, Okay, so you said you had two. So the first one was uh, like starting with the end goal. So uh, I did a class recently and I, I said that. I was like, how much do you need to make? Like so many people, they just yeah. kind of dip into the piggy bank of the business. And they're like, I don't know how, you know, however much there's there, that's how much I need to make. Yeah. No, no, no. That's not how this works. <laughs> like yeah, this should be exactly. a lifestyle business. How much yeah. do you need to make? Um, okay. And, and then, and then how, how much do you want to work? So I love that you've tied those together. Cause I think that you have done a very good job of sharing like that. This can be a lifestyle. You mm-hmm. don't have to kill yourself. You don't have to work the nights and weekends. You can design your life around your business. Because I did that. We had restaurants. There is no more demanding industry you can be in. And it was rough. It was It was not It was not good. It's not <laughs> good. So yeah, I don't, I'm not about that life anymore. So first of all, figure out what life are you about? What do you want? And then put a price tag on it and then build a business model that can actually sustain that. And then the second thing is, you have to inspect what you expect. So we need to actually read the data. And it doesn't need to be like this huge dramatic thing, like literally print your bank statement, get a highlighter, pour a glass of wine, sit on the couch and just highlight anything that you're like, what the F is that? Like something, anything that shocked or appalled you, highlight, like baby steps. Start with that where you're literally just highlighting your bank statement. And you're like, Ooh, I didn't realize I did that. Why did I do that? I thought I canceled that. That shouldn't be there. Am I actually paying that much for this? Look at the numbers, right? What we focus on, we create more of. So if you actually just sat down and really got intentional about making your money, we get so caught up in the day-to-day and I get it as entrepreneurs, we're wearing a million hats, right? But a lot of times we lose sight of 
why we're doing this. And I think also it's just that faux pas, right? If you're in it for the money, you're in it for the wrong reason. Like, well, then go do a nonprofit, right? You're, if you're in a for-profit business, you're in it to make money. You just happen to be one of the lucky ones that gets to do money, make money doing something you're passionate about. But at the end of the day, you started your business to make money and we get so trapped doing things that aren't moving the needle and we're not actually tracking it. And maybe we set goals, but then we didn't actually come up with a plan to execute on it. And then we didn't come up with a plan to actually track it. So if you want to make the profits you want to make, first of all, define what that is. Stop saying, I want to hit a million in revenue. Why? Why? Like I get that all the time. We run their numbers and I'm like, okay, based on what you just told me, you based on your current margins need 750 grand in revenue. Why are, why are we stressing? You're miserable trying to hit this million. If you're happy and you're just like, I'm a goal getter and that gets me up in the morning. I want to hit the million. Great. All the right system is the one that works for you. Right. But if you are not happy and you're chasing this goal and you don't even know why, just because some guru told you to hit a million and you're going to get a pat on the back, let's actually sit down and figure it out. Because guess what? I've run the numbers where somebody wants to hit a million and they didn't need it. And then I've run it. I'm like, you actually need to hit 1.2 for what you're telling me you want to achieve in your finances. So getting really specific about what are you trying to do here? What is the life? Don't look at your business as its own thing that you're just trying to build up and build up like the next Facebook. Look at your life, your family, your legacy. What are you trying to achieve? Your business is there to do that. <laughs> your business isn't there to just build this empire on its own that is going to be here forever. I mean, unless that's your thing, go for it. But most of us are just trying to live our dream life and we create the business to do that. And we lose sight of that way too much, way too much. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Um, I feel like that's a good segue to go to Martha to talk about people and the people that make up those dreams and whys. And Drew, you are cracking me up. I can absolutely picture your young kids being like, but why, daddy? Why? But why? <laughs> and it's such a healthy exercise. So uh, I think our segment, the takeaway there is why. Why are you setting that goal? Why are you working that hard? What, what are you trying to accomplish? And ask like 20 levels of why. I always tell our students, if your why doesn't make you cry, you're not there yet. Keep keep asking why, 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 why? So you can really, because it's not about like, as a rough example, it's not about like, oh, I really want to buy a boat. Why? Because I want to create these memories with my family, right? Like there's always something emotional at the root of that why. And it's never the materialistic type things. I like that. If your why doesn't make you cry, then you're not at the right not why. there yet. Yep. Yeah, I like it. Um, and that is kind of what I want to talk to you about. Um, so most of the time we talk about people and our staff, whether that be field staff or management. But I want to talk about um, owner mindset. And because we're people too. And I want to talk about why money is so scary. Like, why mm -hmm. do people avoid it and avoid fixing their problems? Mm -hmm. And uh, this, I mean, I will say I'm in this camp many times. And, uh, but I've seen you, Danae, be very vulnerable publicly. And that's why I felt like I could bring it up. But, uh, and I think that's, uh, well, not the only reason you help people, but I do think that you give people permission to come with their baggage and mm -hmm. fix it. And so mm -hmm. if you can talk to that listener who knows they need to fix the problem. They, and it's kind of like, you know, weight loss and all those things, you know what you need to do, but why do, why do you find people just avoid it? Yeah. So this is such a good question. And we actually did, I had like 26 women on a zoom like three weeks ago. And we did like a money meditation to identify that. Like what, what, what's the issue? For 99% of us, 
it really starts in childhood. I mean, the statistics show that by two, a child has a concept of what money is. They're, they're getting that it's being exchanged for things. And by eight, we've already developed how we feel about money. So it's very deep rooted. So as entrepreneurs, when we have to learn marketing, right? I don't have this baggage from my childhood about Facebook ads. I don't have these ideas from sitting at the kitchen table and dad saying, you know, SEO doesn't grow on trees, right? I don't have any baggage. So I'm able to learn something new without any preconceived notion. But when it comes to money, money is mental. So our money mindset is developed by our money story, which is ingrained from childhood. That is so much to break down. And it's really hard for people to be able to sit back and actually figure out and make that connection of first, what happened in childhood when it comes to money? And then start correlating, oh, that's why I feel this. That's why I do this. The way you think and feel about money completely correlates to your bank balance. It determines the way you spend money, the way you make money, the way you invest money, whether or not you donate to charities. All of it is depending on our money mindset, which is stemming from our freaking childhood. So you have to literally clear your mind, go into deep meditation and get really intentional about uncovering what happened when I was a kid. How was it talked about? How did I feel about it? And then noticing how that's carrying on into adulthood. And that's why it's, I mean, it's a huge factor why marriages don't work, right? Because I've got a different money story than my husband. He's got a different money story than me. Most people have that. And it could be you have the same money story, but it's impacting you differently. So mm. it's just this deep rooted, you know, it's mental. It's all mental. And then it becomes very emotional. So you could be, you know, where you're feeling like I had a lot of money growing up, but then my parents didn't pay attention to me. So now you have this preconceived idea. If I make a lot of money, I'm not going to be a good mom, right? Or you could be that you grew up and there was never any money. And now you're starting to make money and you're hoarding it because you still have that fear of there never being enough money. But it all comes back to childhood and you have to get in touch with that. You've got to do the work to figure out why do you feel this way about money? Because it's directly correlated to your bank balance. That's cool. Do you have a book about that? I'm sorry to I interrupt. But I'm like, too. I'm I saw you holding up. Well, but I don't like my book as much. Like, so I've tried your badass at money. Like, I love that book. Money. I've tried thinking you're rich. Like, your favorite book that like you've done to help you shift your mindset? Because I feel like there's so many people listening to this right now who are just like mind blown. Yeah. So for me, you are a badass at making money was the first time that I was like, oh, like it's a mindset thing. That was the first time. And then working on it outside of that has really just been sitting and meditating and visualizing and really figuring it out and writing it down and actually figuring out, okay, so if this was going on when I was eight, how is that impacting who I am today? And being able to get comfortable with my money story and own my money story and then identify how it was shaping me. And then same thing in my marriage, my husband had to do the same thing because we have very different money mindsets. So we had to sit down and figure out, okay, well, why? And we didn't have to agree with each other, but we had to understand it. So really being able to make sure that whoever you're sharing your life with, if you are, you guys get on the same page with that as well. But the only book that I read that even woke me up to money, I didn't even know money mindset was a thing. I just knew I didn't have any money. And I read that you are a badass at making money. Awesome. And the book I held up was one that Martha recommended to me uh, called Bridges Out of Poverty. And that's really oh. helped my marriage. So like, if you love somebody, or if you are somebody who, or you work with somebody, Martha, I'm going to stop talking because this is your book recommendation, but it was a great one. A really good one. Yeah. It's, uh, it's it's one that helps understand the mindset of some of our staff or heck it could be a spouse or whoever but um and Danae I'm thinking as you're talking I'm thinking maybe you should write a book about this whole as far as understanding where 
the mind blocks come from. Um, but yeah, so wrapping up, um, is there any, so for that person who just puts their head in the sand and ignores it, is there anything that you want to say to them? One piece of advice to get them in action. Yeah. Write down your money story, figure out what it is and then actually write it down. We do, I have it coming up at the end of this month. Um, I host a free, it's called the Entrepreneurial Wealth Masterclass. On like day three, we do a money meditation, deep visualization, and then your action work that night is to write your money story. So if you want help with it and more guided, definitely sign up for the, it's, it's free, but the Entrepreneurial Wealth Masterclass but it's really important that you figure it out. You have to figure out what is what your money story is because it's impacting literally everything from the way you make it, spend it, donate it, invest it, all the things. So you have to figure out what your money story is. That's cool. And I'm, I'm looking for the link, so I'll drop that here in the show notes. Uh, for the okay, so while Megan's looking for that link, I'm gonna pass it back to Tay. We uh, end the show with assigning homework and Tay, you explain how they don't have to do all the homework. <laughs> I will, you've got it. Um, this also, this conversation just makes me think of hypnosis and I don't know why, but I've been through a hypnosis um, segment. It actually went like almost four hours. My husband thought like something happened to me, um, but it was for a childhood um it was for like my inner child and to like figure things out with my inner child. Um, so that's also something, I don't know if anyone it's, it's not, you have to definitely be open to it. You have to be open to the process, but it was very mind blowing for me to come out of hypnosis and understand like where, cause you're still there. You're still with it the whole time. Um, but it's just really interesting to pull up the childhood, just not necessarily traumas, but just things that have gone on in your life that have shaped where you are as an adult. So if you're not a book person and you maybe want to try something more hands-on, um, that would maybe be a recommendation from me since I have done it. And it was definitely very eye-opening for myself as an adult to look back on how things were being shaped in my life from my childhood. So, um, but back to homework. Homework is a lot. So we're going to tell you guys again and reminder this week that we are about to give you about four pieces of homework. And Danae, you're more than welcome to give your piece of homework at the end. Um, but we only want you to choose one. And that is to be intentional that as we've kind of said a lot today and make sure that you're moving the needle forward in your business and making sure that you are making progress on what you listen to today and putting into action what you heard today. Mm -hmm. So I will go ahead and go first um, with marketing homework. We talked a lot about how we're not just taking the money that's coming in and letting it go everywhere else, but back into the budget for marketing. So what I want you guys to do is really take a look at, do you have a system to make sure that that money is coming off the top of the, you know, top of the line when new clients come in for marketing? Because if you don't, then that right there is a reason as to why you're not necessarily knowing where the money's coming from at the end of the month when Google ads gets pulled again, you don't have the money back in the account. So therefore you're not really able to continue to fund that if you're not pulling it off of the revenue that's coming in from new clients. So I want you to just take a look at that and see, you know, there's no, I don't know if Danae, maybe if you have a recommendation on like a percentage or a certain amount that we could have people start with, um, so I'll kind of, do you have anything of that sort or so, is it kind of individual? It's very individual because again, you might have a great organic strategy. You might need to fix quality before it makes sense to do it. But usually we say 10%. Okay. So if, you know, taking a look at it and we're talking about a brand new client here, we're not talking about a recurring client. Um, that did come in from a paid marketing avenue, not an organic marketing avenue. Again, these are all things that if you, again, if you don't even have the tracking, we got to start you there first. So if we don't have the tracking. We're starting you there. If you do have the tracking, I want you to start looking at taking that 10% off the top line for your marketing budget there. Cool. And I'm going to have your finance homework be how much do you want to make and how much do you want to work? Just write it down. How much do you want to make? How much do you want to work? And then you can work backwards from that that amount. 
But first this awareness of what are you working towards? What's the goal? I love when Danae was like, screw the million dollar goal. I, I hear that all the time. Like yeah. nobody cares about a million unless like maybe it should be 10 million or maybe it should be a hundred thousand, right? Like nobody cares about a million. What, how much you want to make? How much do you want to uh, work is going to be your finance homework this week. And your people homework is going to be working on your mindset around money. So how about reading the book, You're a Badass at Making Money? I, I've i read the series of those books and they're just feel good, inspiring books anyway. So read that book. Yeah. And, and today, today, do you want to leave any homework as we wrap up here? Yeah. Write down your money story. Yeah. Love it. That's, love that's the first time I've heard somebody talk about that. And it's really interesting. I like that. Um, and I'm going to add bonus homework. I know I'm breaking Kay's rules, but uh, <laughs> Danae, you have an epic Facebook group and I'm going to link to it here. Uh, you've got a free oh, one. You. you get lots of free content in that group. So we will link that here in the show notes. So if you'd like to learn more from Danae about money, about your money story, about your like relationship to money or profitability, uh, the group, I think it's called the profit factor. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So join the profit factor and there'll be a link in the show notes if you're listening to this in the car and you can, you give away lots of free stuff in that group. Awesome. Well, today, if someone does want to get in touch with you after the show, what would be the best way for them to reach out and talk to you? Just send me a message right on Facebook or on Instagram. Join the group. I'm always in there. <laughs> and definitely I would try to come to the training tomorrow because it's what Megan was talking about, pricing and making sure it supports the life you want. Love it. Thanks All so right. much for joining us. Thank I'm you for being here. Yeah. yeah. So sorry for our technical difficulties at the beginning, but like I told you, it all worked out. And it we go all works out in the end. Yeah. <laughs> we settle in and uh, we'll be back next Tuesday at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern. Go so, fight. Go fight. Bye, guys. Go fight. Connect with Fight Club for Business. Join our Facebook group where we have weekly homework, accountabilities, and an awesome community to help you fight for your business. Facebook.com slash Fight Club for, as in the number four, business. Fight Club for Business.